All right, everyone. Welcome to another Monday edition of Hearts Home Half, hosted by yours truly, Austin Hart. And this episode's coming to you on Tuesday. So sorry, yesterday with, was yesterday with the Fourth of July. So had a lot of things going on, but have this episode still ready for you. Still that Monday edition, and it's going to be kind of a quick episode today. But before we get into everything. Again, before uh, I start every episode, if you want to find Hearts Home Half on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, you can find me at Hearts Home Half on both of those platforms. I'm giving updates on every episode that I'm dropping on Mondays and Thursdays and still trying to be active on both of those platforms. So really, really appreciate all of the support on both of those as well. But like I said, kind of a quick episode today. Really, we're just going to recap some weekend baseball with the Rays and the Marlins. It's really one of the biggest things that's going on right now in the state of Florida as uh, the NBA, they're in free agency, the NHL, their season's over. But thank God, the NFL, I think we're less than a month away finally. So, so hyped for the NFL to come back. We're going to have so much to cover come football season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Miami Dolphins. We're going to have so, so much football content, so I'm really, really excited for that. But for this pod today, we're going to just stick with baseball. And we're going to start out talking about the hotter team right now in the Miami Marlins because, boy, have they been on a heater. I mean, right now, they've won their past five games in a row. So far, they're undefeated in the month of July. And I know, you know, today's only July 5th, but you know, five days into July, haven't lost a game. Bodes pretty well for the team. It feels really good. This is the month with the All-Star break. You want to have really, really great momentum for your team going into the All-Star break. And really, this whole season, this is kind of what this Marlins team has been known for. They've been very streaky, They're putting together strings of wins kind of at the moments where they need them the most. Um, and they've been doing a really great job of doing that. I know it gets really tough when a bunch of losses are getting banded together and it seems like they can't pull out a win, but these are the times when it feels really, really good and they're able to put all these wins together and really have every aspect of the game working in their favor. So with their off day on the day of our last pod, Thursday, they started a four-game series against their division rival, the Washington Nationals, up in D.C., And they absolutely took the Nationals' lunch money. They swept them in four straight games. And mind you, this is a great time for Miami to get super hot because their star player, Jazz Chisholm, he's going to be returning from the injured list soon. So as long as this team continues to keep the momentum rolling on, then you're able to insert Jazz into an already red-hot lineup. You can let that guy continue to pick up where he left off, and he was an incredible producer for this lineup before he got injured. So a strong bullpen performance combined with some power hitting in game one on Friday gave the Marlins a nice nice and easy 6-3 to three win, probably the easiest win that they would have in these four games. Garrett Cooper had a nice 3-5 for five day for the Fish. Joey Wendell and Miguel Rojas were both 2-4, for four, and Brian Anderson was the hero going 2-4 for four with a solo blast to open up the scoring early in the game and two RBIs on the day. In game two the next day, Jesus Aguilar had a monster home run to give Miami an early lead, but it was quite a back-and-forth game. The Fish missed a lot of opportunities to score home some runs, um, and some costly errors led to some national runs as well. But the Miami offense, they continued to scrap hard. They didn't give up throughout the entire game. They were able to pull out a 5-3 to victory just when things, you know, they were leaving guys on base some innings and other innings. They were able to clutch up and get those runners home, so... 
Again, very like off and on in between the innings, but I'm sure that's very frustrating for a guy like Don Mattingly, the manager of the Marlins. He's like, ah. you know, those are situations you don't want to leave runners on base. You don't want to commit errors. I mean, those are two of the easiest way, two of the easiest ways to give away a baseball game. So the Marlins were very lucky. They were still able to pull out that victory for then now their 10th win over the Nationals in 11 games. But they didn't stop there. They had two more games to play in the series. But these last two games, they had to win in extra innings. Because in Game 3 on Sunday, they won by a score of 7-4. to four. Pablo Lopez hurled a pretty nice game for the Marlins. He's been one of their greatest starters so far this year, right, probably right behind Sandy Alcantara. But really, it was a lot of clutch hitting in the 10th inning. Brian Anderson, John Bertie, and Joey Wendell, they were able to manufacture some runs in that 10th inning and win the game after pretty much just hanging around with the Nats all game not really able to take a lead or do anything commanding. And finally, the Marlins were able to put their finishing touches on the series with yet another 10th inning win, but this time with another one-run final score of 3-2. to two. Braxton Garrett, he had a really, really nice game on the bump for the Marlins. He held the Nats at bay as much as possible through seven innings, while Jesus Aguilar's RBI single in the third was pretty much like the only productive offense in the first nine for the Marlins. But again, when that 10th inning rolls around, the clutch hitting seems to just flip a switch and and, and come into play for the Marlins. Because Brian De La Cruz nuked a two-run shot to grab the lead in the top of that inning, and the Marlins were able to hold on for the win. I mean, what a past few days, several days rather, that this team has been having. They're, they're going to look to keep it rolling tonight. Um against the Angels, and I think they have a really, really good chance of doing this. They're going to be back home. Sandy Alcantara is on the hill. This guy has been so dominant, a workhorse for this team so far. I mean, this guy wants to stay in and throw complete games pretty much every game. He is such a gamer. Uh, I really respect how much he loves the game and how much he wants to battle for his team. So, I mean, this guy already looks like the National League Cy Young through the first half of the season. So I'm really excited him excited to watch him take the hill tonight at home they're going to begin a two-game set against the los angeles angels noah Syndergaard should be pitching for the angels tonight and then shohei otani i think should be getting the ball for the angels tomorrow when they play the marlins at home all right so now let's discuss the rays a little bit and the last time we discussed them they were in a bit of a rut, and going into division play, that's obviously not where you want to be, and definitely not in the AL East, probably the strongest division in baseball. If the playoffs were to start tomorrow, four out of the five teams in the AL East are making the playoffs. Three in the wild card, and the Yankees, who have been running away with the division as of right now. But, unfortunately, that rut that I was talking about, kind of continued in the first two games of the rare five-game series that the Rays were playing against the Blue Jays in Toronto. Yusei Kikuchi, he dominated the Rays in Game 1 on Thursday night. He limited the Rays to only one run compared to the four that the Jays were able to score thanks to Teoscar Hernandez and Santiago Espinal home runs. And honestly, the poor offensive showings continued in Game 2. Jose Barrios he limited the Rays to only two runs. He was finally able to get a win on his record for the Blue Jays, and their offense exploded for the Jays. They tagged Corey Kluber early. They put up nine runs in the game, thankfully in large part to seven RBI combined from Bobichet, 
Vlad Guerrero Jr., and George Springer. So they were taking the Rays' heads off earlier. This is not what you wanted to see in the first two games of the series so far. But finally, in Game 3, this is where the Rays broke through. And none other than Shane McClanahan taking the hill for the Rays. His first game of a doubleheader on Saturday. And he did his thing. I mean, he's looking like the American League Cy Young candidate right now. At least one of the top candidates. He helped the Rays finally get back on track. He struck out 10 Blue Jays in 7 innings. Only allowed 1 run. Wander Franco, Isak Paredes both homered for the Rays. Some nice RBIs came from Rene Pinto. Young catcher for the Rays, Randy Arozarena, and Yandy Diaz. And Isak Paredes, I mean, I know I talked about him homering earlier, but man, that guy has been an absolute fantastic pickup for the Rays. Got him in a trade earlier this season when we dealt away Austin Meadows to the Tigers. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, I was not very happy with that. You know, Austin Meadows, a big RBI contributor to the Rays, one of the biggest bats for this lineup, especially last year. And I was just, you know, like, what are we doing? There's no way we're trying to give away Austin Meadows right now for a guy that's very unproven. But man, did it look like the Rays knew what they were doing and we got the better of that trade right now because if you look at Austin Meadows' numbers for the Tigers right now, they're not looking too good. Uh, He's been battling a lot of injury problems as well. But Isak Paredes for the Rays, I mean, we're pretty much playing this dude every game. He is raking. He has raw power. I love watching this dude swing the bat. I mean, he is a joy up there at the plate. And uh, he's been producing so much for this offense lately. Big, big credit to him and big, big credit to the Rays front office for making that trade. Whatever they were able to see in Isak it's definitely worked and we've been able to plug and play him pretty much almost every day into the lineup but all right here we go back to the doubleheader so the Rays they're able to get that great game one win but honestly they had an even better game two later that day they exploded for 11 runs against the Jays only five runs a day where almost everybody in the lineup was able to contribute and Drew Rasmussen was able to return from injury and throw almost five very strong innings but who else but red hot Isak Paredes? He led the day or led the way in that game. Three for five, four RBI day. Guy just cannot be contained. It's pretty ridiculous. Thankfully, also, the Rays were able to round out this five game series with another win on Sunday. Seven to three was the final score. The offense came to life once again. Thank God for a season high six runs in the fifth inning. Kind of surprised me a little bit that we hadn't scored anywhere near six runs in one inning this entire season but big home runs from Harold Ramirez G-Man Choi Randy Rosarena that was massive in that fifth inning and route to that win and Shane Boz he he pitched phenomenally as well I think this was his fourth start coming off of injury he earned his first win of the season seven strikeouts over six innings against a really tough Blue Jays lineup He got in some trouble early. He got into some jams, some bases-loaded situations, but pitched out of it, again, phenomenally. He just looked really, really good. Really impressed with what Shane Boz was able to um, do against a really strong lineup away from home. Unfortunately, though, the Rays did get shut out yesterday on the 4th of July when they traveled to Boston to play the Red Sox. They lost 4-0. 
But they're looking for a big bounce back performance tonight. They're still in division play, and hopefully they can wake up those bats like they did in the second half of their series against Toronto. They're really going to need that as Nick Pavetta and Jeffrey Springs are going to duel it out on the hill tonight. Rays against the Red Sox. First pitch should be around 7-10 tonight. So that's pretty much going to round it out for this episode of Hearts Home Half. It's a pretty quick one today, but some great baseball content in the state of Florida. Those red-hot Marlins, hopefully they continue to keep their momentum up. And the Rays, really looking for them to bounce back tonight against the Red Sox and get some key division wins. But thank you so much to everybody that has tuned into this episode. I really appreciate it. And I'll see you next time on the Thursday edition of Hearts Home Half. See ya.